The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome in. Beautiful day out today. I tell you, we certainly have a variety in weather. I like today. It's going to be uh, up in the mid-50s, which is not bad. I came in with a light jacket on. Joe Carr is with us, our Rutherford County Mayor. I bet it got cold out on your farm. It, it did. Uh, I had the great opportunity as a result of the cold to go out and make sure the horses um, were properly fed and watered. Um, it was cold and uh, just shows you how resilient God's creatures are because they came through the cold splendidly. So absolutely. Good to hear that. And uh, everyone seems to have had a good Christmas. We've heard a lot of good positive things uh, over the past several days. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people had a good Christmas. Uh, you know, it's the time of the year we, uh, our particular faith, Bart, celebrates the birth of our Savior, but that birth of a Savior brings hope and peace to all people of all faiths, and that's the great thing about uh, this time of year. It, it's very, very inclusive, uh, even though it particularly celebrates the birth of our Savior. It, again, it's very, very inclusive, and uh, with the message that it brings, and, um, and it's a great opportunity for Rutherford County and to come together uh, in that spirit to assist each other and with the cold weather around Christmas we saw that I know that uh, Chris Clark um, Rutherford County's EMA director did a splendid job responding to the rolling uh, blackouts that we experienced as a result of TVA's poor planning <laughs> but uh, we won't talk about that right now but that did that it did uh, put uh, a, a bit of uh, edge on the season because you know we were in, I was in constant contact with Chris and you know of course the other directors about how we can make sure that people are properly taken care of uh, in the event that uh, they lost electricity and couldn't get it back so uh, again Rutherford County demonstrates over and over again just how splendid this community is oh, and why people is. from all over the country are moving here this that is an example so were there homes of people who were cold and and the electricity went off and wouldn't come back on yeah and it wasn't necessarily because of the rolling blackouts it was circumstances uh, that were aggravated by the blackouts and then of course you had fr a lot of frozen pipes uh, and just those kind of things so again director clark uh, contacted me and he and i were in constant contact through our and, th and our public information officer lisa k i mean there were periods of time where we were up at 1.30 and 3 in the morning making sure that things uh, were getting done to attend to people's needs as a result of just, you know, very, very cold weather. And But, again, not, I'm not I don't want to emphasize the rolling blackout. I want to emphasize the fact that this is the good neighbor community. It, it really, really is. And I'm fortunate, indeed blessed, to be the mayor of a community where it's easy to get people to come together and help each other. We have a... a a text message here from a listener who said, uh, why did the electric department come to every house uh, on their street yesterday, knocked on the door, and then uh, went and turned off the power for just a few seconds? I do not know, but I'll be glad to find out why Middle Tennessee Electric uh, was doing that. I was unaware of that. Uh, I will contact Chris Jones. 
Uh, it was probably to uh, reboot or reset the system in that particular area with a transformer or a, a, a substation. I, I don't know. That's pure speculation on my part, uh, but I can certainly find that out. Okay, and so you think that may be also what happened? You said some homes, the electricity did not come back on on Saturday morning. Well, I know we did have report, yes, and it didn't come back on, but that would be, it would be aggravated situation as a result of the cold. I know that some people think their electricity didn't come back on when it didn't, but what really happened is, and I know this happened because it happened to a friend of mine, their HVAC unit would not reboot. reboot. So when the system came down and then we they bring the power back up, that's a surge to a system. And what that will do sometimes is it will harm electrical circuit system within that HVAC system. And so they basically fried the board because of that sudden surge of electricity when it comes back on. And sometimes that'll happen, especially on older HVAC units. So if you are still having some problems today, uh, definitely you need to call somebody. Yes. If you're having, obviously, if you're having uh, issues with your electric system and um, absolutely called Middle Tennessee or Murfreesboro Electric, which is now one and the same. That's right. There's no, I, I no get, Murfreesboro Electric. I still Electric get them confused. <laughs> <laughs> Our phone number is 615-893-1450. You can talk or text whichever you prefer on that one. 615-893-1450. You can add to what we've already covered or if you have a question about what we've covered, feel free to do that as well i'd like to if i could bart i'm sorry to interrupt but i want i want to add one more thing on this particular topic and it's very very important Uh, middle tennessee electrics uh, did an outstanding phenomenal job in responding uh, to what was potentially a very severe crisis to the electrical grid produced by tva Uh, this this problem originated with tennessee valley authority because they failed to plan and they took offline a number of gas-fired plants and coal plants and didn't bring other sources online to replace those generating facilities and so this was a crisis created quite honestly because there was a failure of lack of planning and lack of communication and so uh, Middle Tennessee Electric, along with the other 156 distributors in the Tennessee Valley, were inherited this mess. And so uh, my hat's off to Chris Jones and Middle Tennessee Electric for doing an absolutely splendid job on how they handled the, that rolling blackout. So this was the Tennessee Valley Authority, the oh, TVA yes. itself. Oh, yeah. They were, the, they were the originator of why it was mandatory. It was mandatory from TVA to MTE that they institute some kind of measures to reduce demand on Saturday morning. And were they getting these same results, the same problems, people not getting the electricity back on after the rolling blackout passed? In some cases across the Tennessee Valley Authority, it was much, much worse. I know that in Rutherford County, there were occasions where we had a single blackout that maybe lasted 15 or 20 minutes. There are some reports that the blackouts lasted a little longer. I know in Davidson County, NES had multiple rolling blackouts. I know in parts of East and West Tennessee, they had multiple blackouts that would last an hour longer. So we were very fortunate. And if you do a comparative analysis between MTE, Middle Tennessee Electric, uh, and some of the other distributors across the state and within the Tennessee Valley, you'll see that they outperformed anybody, any other distribu- distri- distribution systems that I'm aware of. They just did a phenomenal job. And they, and they communicated with 
our people to say, okay, here's what's going on. Here's how you need to coordinate. We, we had shelters potentially ready to open in case it was extended because Tennessee Valley Authority only gave the distributors five to ten minutes notice about the blackout and, and what was required. So they had very, very little time to respond. When did they start those blackouts? Around in, in Rutherford County, it was my understanding they started them around 6, 6.30 a.m. Saturday morning. Okay, okay. Uh, and, and what about the people there? There were some uh, what would be considered necessary businesses that were in the blackout. Correct. And so they... I think even the hospital... Yes, they... Obviously, we're going to isolate those critical functions like hospitals and things like this. They targeted uh, commercial buildings first because obviously they're not in use. And so they targeted them first. And then uh, if the power demand didn't decrease sufficiently, then they obviously had to go in and target residential areas. And that's, that's ultimately what happened. Okay. I, I, again, I know it was horribly inconvenient, and in some cases, a little more than that. But the way Middle Tennessee Electric handled this, uh, in comparison to some of the other distri- distributors, um, is remarkable. And they should be acknowledged for doing a really good job in handling a very, very difficult situation. Hopefully, that won't happen again. They Hopefully, won't have to cover. Well, go maybe we route. can get TVA to get their generating act together, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let's look at some other issues coming uh, into the picture, especially with the new year. Uh, The transfer station. Uh, Let's do an update on the transfer station. And just to be sure that everyone knows what we're talking about, what is the transfer station? The transfer station is nothing more than a place that we receive our MSW, our municipal solid waste, the garbage that's produced in Rutherford County, both city and county. It's the trash that is taken to the Rutherford County Convenience Centers, as an example. It's the trash that is picked up at the curbside here in Murfreesboro. And so a transfer station basically is as a collection point for that trash so that it can be uh, bulked in large trailers and moved out of the county to another location. So it's literally what the term implies, a transfer station, a station that transfers the garbage from one place to another. And so you take it from the garbage trucks and put it into trailer trucks? Exactly. So that uh, the garbage trucks will uh, back up, dump it, and then there's the there's a couple large rubber tire wheel loaders that scoop it up and they drop it over into these large 50-foot trailers and it's compacted and then it's it's hauled out of here and the turnaround time for this trash is within 24 hours so the trash does not stay in a transfer station unless something's broke down uh, overnight it's it's moved out of there and so will this save us money or save us is this just part of what we're going to need to do uh, with the uncertainty of Middle Point Landfill's future. Yeah, this is a requirement that Rutherford County has by law to deal with the trash. We have, our responsibility as a local county government is to deal with the trash created by the county. And so we are anticipating, as we've talked previously, that the Middle Point Landfill is going to close in two, two and a half years. That being the case, we've got to come up with a solution for the trash that we generate here in Rutherford County. And so what Rutherford County is doing, along with the city of Murfreesboro, is we're in, the, in, the, we're in very serious discussions about partnering with Murfreesboro about their um, waste-to-waste solution that turns trash into 
energy pellets. But that only diverts a certain amount of trash away from a transfer station or away from a burial site. So we still have a substantial obligation to remove that trash from Rutherford County, and that's what this will do. Now, you mentioned that uh, you predict that the landfill, Middle Point landfill over in Walter Hill, that it will be full in two to two and a half years. Yes, sir. What does Republic say about that? Well, of course, Republic has been saying for 12 years that the landfill has six years of life left. And so that is the proverbial answer whenever you ask them. And indeed, they're still saying it has six years life left. Uh, But the problem or the challenge that Rutherford County has is that Republic can close the gates on that landfill at any time. It's a privately owned landfill. They have a contract with Nashville that keeps that landfill opening opening and financially feasible for them. But at the point that it becomes no longer financially feasible, they can close the landfill. And then Rutherford County doesn't have a solution. So whether the landfill closes in two years or six years is the only only reason that's relevant is a, is a sense of urgency upon Rutherford County to find an alternative solution. Uh, I adamantly, along with Mayor McFarland, oppose the expansion of Middle Point Landfill, uh, and so we are working towards its closure. The experts I've talked to have, who have observed that landfill believe it's going to close in two, two and a half years. Now, who determines? It doesn't sound like the county or the state is able to determine that it's full. It sounds like it's Republic that says it's full or... Well, it's an interesting, it's an, that's a very interesting observation, Bart, because <laughs> this is very, very important. You're correct in that Rutherford County has absolutely no control or oversight of the landfill, which tells you just how horribly bad the host benefit agreement or the contract that we signed in 1995 with Republic is. I mean, it's, I've read a lot of contracts, negotiated a lot of very large multi-million dollar contracts. I've never seen a contract so horribly one-sided in all my life. I mean, this is hor- this is a horrendous contract. And so not only do we not have any oversight, but we don't have any control about how much trash goes in there, where the trash comes from, uh, what's in there, uh, which is why we've got uh, low-level radioactive waste, which is why we've got aluminum dross coming from. I mean, we got all kinds of stuff in there. And the, even the landfill is uh, on fire underneath. It's, it's just sitting there smoldering underneath because of that aluminum dross. But having said that, uh, uh, Republic self-reports. And so TDEC, come, TDEC Tennessee Environment, Environment, uh, Environment and Conservation, comes out and periodically checks. So it's a matter of height. So based on the reporting of Republic to TDEC, that's how we ascertain the life left in the landfill. So the state has the ability to say it's full or it's about full? The state has the ultimate authority through TDEC, yes, sir, okay. through their regulation. And it's about heights. So you have, a, you have a footprint, an area, right? And then you have a height that you can go up, and you have what's called the slope of the mountain. So it has to be a particular slope. And if it's too steep, they have to shave it off and make the slope correct. So it's based on the area and the height plus the slope. And that cre- that gives them the availability uh, for whether it's two years or six years. Again, the three experts I've to- spoken to believe, is it, believe it's two, two and a half years. Now, have these regulations been in place from the beginning? From- yes. So even when the contract was written, these regulations were there. Now, that I can't speak to. I can't tell you how old these regulations are, but these regulations are what is currently in force. And so that's how you ascertain 
it, uh, the lifespan of a landfill is the, the amount of tonnage is bringing every day, uh, which we believe is about 45, based on uh, Republic self-reporting, is about 4,500 tons a day. Again, 70% of it comes from outside the county, or 3,100 tons is not even Rutherford County's trash. And so, and you can, I can be glad to take you up to uh, the top and let you take a look, and you can see just how quickly um, the trash is flowing into Republic. The wait sometimes is two to three hours for trucks to unload their, their haul. It takes that long sometimes for them to load. The traffic is backed up that bad. And you say the land underneath those trucks that are driving up the mountain uh, is burning. Well, there's part there is because of the aluminum dross. I think there was like 640,000 tons of aluminum dross brought back in the early 2000s out of Lebanon and deposited in there. And what that what aluminum dross does, it, if it mixes with water and oxygen, it starts to burn. And so it's just this it's this low grade burn, but it's just sitting there smoldering underneath. And, and is any as long of that- as it's contained, it's not an environmental issue. But still, you don't want your landfill burning. We're right next to the Stones River, yeah. just downstream from where our in the, in that, water is. Isn't in that, in that brilliant the way we locate <laughs> things? Don't you just love our planning <laughs> foresight? That's just like, you know, whoever had the vision for that, I want to talk to them. <laughs> is, is, is that getting into the river? Well, it's interesting to say that because Murfreesboro just filed a complaint saying they have discovered another source of leachate. Come, which is which is nothing more than the runoff of gr- groundwater, excuse me, stormwater running over the top of trash. And it's the nasty, nasty stuff that 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 flows as a result of a landfill uh, uh, when water and trash mix up. Right? It's that it's that watery, nasty substance as a result of water c- come across um, refuse. And so they have found this leachate. Uh, Murfreesboro did in November. Uh, at Bubba Spring, which is a spring that feeds into the Stones River, and they allege, uh, with a great deal of confidence, that that's, that leachate leak is coming from um, Middle Point Landfill. Okay. So that is an update on the Middle Point Landfill, an update on the transfer station. Any other uh, information about that particular topic that we need to touch on? Two things. Rutherford County County Commission, um, thank, and I thank them uh, at my request, has uh, approved a $200,000 engineering uh, fee. And I think we discussed that last time for us for design and build of a, a transfer station. That is not to, that is not, that's not the contract to build it. That's the contract to design and engineer it. And then at the same time, we are talking about we are in negotiations and discussions with Mur- city of Murfreesboro about the location of that transfer station. It could potentially be out at Landfill Road, or it could be over on Butler Drive. And so we are working with Murfreesboro to find out which is the more feasible for both both communities. Very good. Uh, by the way, if any of you have any additional questions on something that we have neglected to ask, feel free to either call or text us your question at 615 615- Let's move on to another topic that uh, for a period of time was very much in the news and then it sort of fell off. Uh, That is the proposed Regional Forensic Center. And there was a period of time that there was conversation about putting it at the old State Farm building, which would have been a logical choice. That building, uh, it looks like it's just going to remain empty. Well, that building's 
extremely expensive and we don't know the condition of the building although it's i think it's been in maintained very very well but that building would be very very expensive and i'm not willing to put the county's finances in a precarious position on a building that isn't designed specifically for our needs having said that we still need a regional forensic center because of the circumstances under which we find ourselves by taking um, those uh, autopsies to Nashville. We, Rutherford County does about 360 autopsies a year, and our relationship with the forensic center, regional forensic center in Nashville, isn't as good as it should be. We have to wait. They just went up on their fees. Um, there, is that a private business or is it? It is private. And as a matter of fact, it's interesting you say that because there are five forensic centers in Tennessee, Memphis, Nashville, Chattanooga, Knoxville, and Johnson City or the Tri-Cities area. At the Nashville Forensic Center serves well over half the state, well over half. And so there is a, there is a serious backlog of cases that get reviewed uh, for auto- medical examination out of that office. Uh, because of that, the, the quality is not as good as it could be. And then on top of that, they went up in their price. So there's a real need in Tennessee for a, another regional forensic center. So I'm working with our uh, Senate and House delegation to the Tennessee General Assembly. And I've met with all of them. They all of, are embraced this. Uh, Mayor, uh, Mayor Lee, excuse me, Governor Lee has talked about how they're in the coming 23-24 budget year. They're going to put an emphasis on capital expenditures. And so Rutherford County, uh, along with the delegation who has been extremely uh, supportive in this and will be helping us, is going. we're looking at, at the opportunity of putting a forensic center here in Rutherford County. And we have a place picked out. Uh, Rutherford County will donate the land. Uh, Rutherford County will absorb the operating costs uh, with to running the center, and uh, we believe the state will find that it'd be to their advantage. And they have seen, have shown some real interest in constructing the facility. So they'll construct the facility uh, for this for the area, and then we will be responsible for operating the facility. Now, will Middle Tennessee State University, is it still uh, part of the total picture? If Middle Tennessee and Dr. McPhee want to be a part of the picture through Meharry as a teaching facility, absolutely we would like to talk to them. Very good. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Our guest this morning, Rutherford County Mayor Joe Carr. We're talking on a variety of issues We've already uh, begun some conversations about the solid waste transfer station. Uh, We've talked about Middle Point Landfill and touched on the proposed regional forensic center. Are there some issues that we've left out that you want to be sure that are covered with those topics? Or maybe there's some other areas that are concerning you. 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Rutherford County's place to talk. Valentine's Day is getting really close. Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts have something for everyone. Let Jenny Harrison say Happy Valentine's Day for you. 
Whether you're wanting to send three dozen roses or a single rose with a specialty coffee, Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts have something for everyone. We are more than happy to work with you. We can personally shop for you. We are Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts, 117 South Academy Street, and we are here for you. This is Amanda at Animal City. I'd like to invite your family to come do business with my family. We are Murfreesboro's locally owned pet store. And come see us at Animal City. Let our 30 plus years of experience help you and your pets live a happier, better life. Here at Animal City, we stock flea and tick prevention for your pet year round. Whether you're feeding a Great Dane, a bearded dragon, or a hedgehog, we have what you need here at Animal City. You can find your local pet store, Animal City, here in Murfreesboro on Broad Street. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas's Restaurant. With cold and flu season here, nothing helps my family more than having the Demas's baked chicken and rice soup. It was a soup that was created by my grandmother, and we not only sell it by the cup, but we also sell it by the quart, by the half gallon, and by the gallon. So stop by anytime today and bring soup to your family that may be sick or a friend that's in sick, or just to enjoy it just because it tastes so good. Demas's Restaurant. Good morning. We're still in pretty good shape right now. Coming through Rutherford County, Coffee County on I-24, headed towards Nashville. Lots of radar in both of those counties. Traffic still looks good through Mount Julian, at least at the moment. We've only seen a couple of minor accidents out here in the last hour or so. Princess Hot Chicken is catering during this holiday season. They're online, princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We'll see sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-50s. South winds of 5 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 20. Tonight, mostly clear, low 40. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 32. This is MTSU President Sidney McPhee. You're listening to WGNS, your local connection to Blue Raider Atlanta. WGNS AM, FM, online. Welcome back. We are broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. MTE supplying power to the station's 328-foot tower in downtown Murfreesboro. Middle Tennessee Electric serving to make life better since 1936. Rutherford County Mayor Joe Carr is with us this morning. We're taking your questions, text or phoned in. 615-893-1450. Here's a question from a listener. Says, Mayor Carr, have you talked to the state about red lights or having a red light at Roanoke Drive and Jefferson Pike? We have brought that up to their to their attention, and we are still waiting to hear back from them. I think where we're going to end up going with Roanoke and Jefferson Pike is a they're going to have to do a traffic study there, so which is always their first step. So we are working on trying to get that done. I know that uh, I've reached out 
uh, and we'll be continuing to reach out to the delegation as to how they can communicate or help me to communicate with TDOT so that we can at least begin the process of determining the feasibility because the caller's correct. That is a would be a TDOT determination. Very good. Uh, a question from a listener who lives on Jefferson Pike. They say, don't believe a word about people saying that these trash trucks don't leave a lot of dirt on the road. The roadway is horrible looking and just looks like it's full of germs. What can we do to resolve this? Well, what we can do is we can ensure that Republic takes care of the road like they're contractually supposed to, and they claim, and I don't doubt their claim, but they claim they had their sweeper truck went down, but that part of Jefferson Pike uh, that leads to the landfill was in horrible shape for a period of days and it is a lot of germs right there because a lot of what comes in and out of that landfill in these trucks is you know the uh, residue the liquid residue that's in those trucks is the leachate it spills onto the road and of course when they go up to trash mountain uh, up there at middle point to deposit the trash they come back down they get mud in all the tires they're supposed to come through a wash bay but ha- I got to tell you, half the time the wash bay doesn't work or is not working properly. So they haul that mud out onto Jefferson Pike and they sling it everywhere. And, and, and there there was a period of time a week ago where it was really bad. Uh, and the, so the caller is absolutely right. We've got to make sure that uh, Republic upholds their end of the bargain, which from time to time they do not. Our phone number is 615 uh, we have not touched on the recovery court expansion. Tell us a little about that. Bring us up to speed on that. So, yeah, this is something that I'm particularly excited about that doesn't get a lot of attention. If there were was if there's ever an investment that Rutherford County can make that provides both a financial return and a return on lives, this is it. Currently, the Rutherford County Recovery Court is administered by four judges um, in the the court system. This court was founded by Judge Don Ash years and years ago. And indeed, when I became a state rep, it had just been founded by Judge Ash. And this basically helps people um, who are incarcerated for not any particular serious offense, but but especially an offense related to some sort of addiction. And so Rutherford County now has drug court. We have uh, 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 veterans court, mental health court. We have these different courts that are specifically set up to aid people who are incarcerated and who have who are struggling with some sort of addiction. Uh, currently, the waiting list to get into recovery court, according to Ms. Ricks, the director, is about 140 people. We have found that taking somebody through recovery court as opposed to inc- keeping them incarcerated is a 10 to 1 financial investment, a return on investment for the county. And so what we want to do, what the county and what I've determined uh, with the help of the county commission is um, we have determined that we need to reduce that waiting list. And so what we're going to do is we are going to, we're planning to put 
they put an expansion in place over at the recovery court facility so they can have more caseworkers and they can create more opportunities to get that waiting list down because when we get that waiting list down from 140 let's say down to 40 or some manageable number we literally save the county money because of the return on investment it's it's 10 times less expensive to take somebody to recovery court than to keep them incarcerated moreover and the big prize in in this is is you actually save lives and you can't you can't you can't spend enough on saving lives but when you get a return on investment of 10 to 1 you've got to do that so what we're going to do is we're going to refurbish the current recovery court office complex we're going to expand it it's it's going to be in the next budget year and I've, I, have my, I need to give a shout out to uh, Commissioner Craig Harris because he's very involved with the opioid crisis and he's got they've got some grant money that opioid committee does. And I believe there's discussions about he's offered to help with this in, in some regard. And so um, we've got the support of the commission and I'm excited about doing that. I really am. And, th- and again, thanks to Judge Don Ash for leading the way on this years ago. For the people who are incarcerated and have an addiction, uh, are you finding that they are able to get out of uh, the jail more quickly and also be able to be more productive when they get out? Oh, absolutely. And, and see, that's the whole point. It's do, what do statistics, and uh, Sheriff Mike Fitzhugh can tell us this exactly. Uh, Sheriff Fitzhugh fully embraces this because what it does is it dramatically reduces the rate of recidivism, right? Or the rate at which a, they, this individual is going to repeat that offense or a set of offenses or find themselves incarcerated again. And so that's the point, Bart, is that, you know, if you want to know what the evidence is for the success of recovery court, compare the rate of recidivism to those people who are incarcerated to those who go through recovery court. And you don't. Not just anybody can go through recovery court. You got to qualify. You got to. You've got to behaviorally show that you qualify before you can even get on the waiting list. And then, but we want to get these people off the waiting list because all the data shows that recovery court is exponentially a better way to deal with a crisis as a result of an addiction than it is than incarceration is. So you're helping them get rid of the addiction. And you're also getting to the point of why they are incarcerated as well. Yeah, well, yeah. And so we reconstitute families because they've, they've, they've gone through and, and they've dealt with their addiction. They're dealing with their addiction. So we reconstitute families. These people get jobs. They're now members, constructive members of the community. It's, there's, there, it's, it's the perfect win-win. And quite honestly, you know, this is just the tip. We are going, Rutherford County is going to lead the way in the state on doing this because it's the right thing to do it because it saves lives and it literally saves us money i mean you can't get a better three-way solution than that very definitely it's, it sounds like a, a logical direction to go it is uh let's look at another logical direction uh, there's nothing we can do about growth a lot of people say we've got too much growth but you can't put a barrier around the county uh and the word is out this is the place. Uh, We've already commented on what a great place it is to live, but uh, is it taking extra money? Are we having to fund for the growth of the people, or will the extra people bring in more tax dollars and we get the funds that way? Uh, The answer to both those questions is yes. 
because they're not mutually exclusive. Okay. So (laughs) it's a little more complicated than that. So property taxes are currently funding, the current property tax base is currently funding our growth. And so basically it's providing a bridge to that growth. So if you are uh, an elderly couple in the Kittrell community and you've had this small farm in your family for years and you've been paying property taxes, your property taxes for that elderly couple in the Kittrell community are subsidizing the expansion of growth in the western part of the camp county those those services that those developments necessarily require and so personally i think that's patently unfair i think if this community wants to grow and i think it should grow and this growth is illustrated by the fact bart that currently the april 2022 census estimate for rutherford county was 362,000 people this time next year Rutherford County will be a bit larger than Hamilton County or Chattanooga. Be larger. We will be the fourth largest county this time next year, according to current census projections. And we're growing at 2.6% per year. Uh, Hamilton County is growing at 0.6 per year. We had the fastest, we are the fastest growing county by gross numbers in the last year in the whole state. We're growing faster by population than anybody. Davidson County lost 10,000 people in the last physical year from July 1 through July 1 of 21 through 22. We gained over 10,000 people in that same period of time. And it's just not, they're just not coming from Davidson County. They're coming from all over the country. Just like you said, this is a destination point. Why is it? Because in the economic climate, the schools, we have phenomenal schools. Did you realize that Rutherford County schools are the highest ranking county school system in the state? We have the fourth largest school system in the state. And so there's a lot of, and so, and we have our values and our principles. So this is a destination point. And I'm all for people wanting to come here, especially those who share our values and our principles. I do want them to come here. But if you come here, I'm a conservative. Uh, Some people would call me somewhat extreme in my conservatism. I don't think so. I think I'm just practical. But my conservatism says this, Bart, if you want it, you should be able to get it as long as it doesn't infringe on my rights. You should be able to get it, but you should pay for it. You shouldn't ask me to pay for something that you want unless you come and ask me and I go, yeah, I'll help you pay for that. But see, our current tax base is never asked how to, why am I having to subsidize the growth that I receive no benefit for? None. And so all I'm saying is, is there should be a way that Rutherford County should have the same parity about how we pay for growth that the city does. Because currently, under state statute 67-4-2901, I'm familiar with the statute, it says specifically that the counties and the cities have two different methodologies about how they fund for growth. The county is held to a much stricter standard than the cities are. And I want to know why the Tennessee General Assembly in 2006 thought it was a good idea to restrict counties' way to pay for growth, but they didn't do the same for the cities. Here's a question that sort of uh, fits in with that. This person was, uh, they were listening to your point about uh, how growth fits in with other areas. They're concerned about the fact that uh, gas jumped 40 cents per gallon yesterday. In Tennessee, 40 cents per gallon increase yesterday, and they said oil did not go up that much. Right. 
And uh, what is the reason for that? And also with the money that is uh, taxed on gasoline, that money goes and uh, repairs the roads. Correct. Uh, with the prices going up, are the are are the uh, are we getting more tax dollars for the roads? Or this person says they didn't drive as much because it's getting too expensive. Well, the reason the gas price jumped that high was because there was a lack of capacity for the refineries because of the cold. I'm sure the refineries in some parts of the country were required to shut down. Uh, and so you had a ref- I'm sure that's a refining issue. I hope that's temporary. But I would suspect that it has to do either with refining or distribution or both. Uh, so a, a jump like that uh, is a result of, I think, the extreme cold that so much of the nation experienced. With regard to the gas tax, the gas tax is a fixed amount based on a price per gallon. And the caller is correct. That uh, is designated towards uh, the maintenance and, and building of our state highways. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause and check once again on the latest weather. We'll be right back. On the final portion, our guest this morning, County Mayor Joe Carr. Just a few minutes left, so if there's a burning question that you have, get it in quickly. Don't throw away old flags. WGNS retires old glory with respect. Bring those tattered Bibles here, too. We're more than talk. (coughs) When a cold comes on strong, (coughs) knock it out with Vicks Dayquil Severe for max strength daytime relief. Just one dose of Vicks Dayquil Severe starts to relieve nine of your worst cold and flu symptoms to help take you from nine to none. Power through your day with Vicks Dayquil Severe. The daytime non-drowsy, coughing, aching, fever, sore throat, nine to none, medicine. Use as directed. Dell Technologies Days of Deals for Business start now with fresh, limited quantity deals on tech to drive productivity. Save on select performance laptops and desktops powered by 12th Gen Intel Core processors. Don't forget special pricing on the latest monitors, docks, and accessories, plus free shipping on everything and special financing with Dell Business Credit. Call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank. 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. We're talking with Betty Atterbury. What do you like most about Adams Place? When I first came here, I did not know anyone in here, but it wasn't too long till we have four at a table and we are very good friends now. I really like my table mates at Adams Place. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. We'll see sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-50s. South winds of 5 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 20. Tonight, mostly clear, low 40. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. 
Currently, it's 32. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. We are in the final segment, just a few minutes left. So if you have a question, better text it. In fact, uh, we need a text instead of a phone call because that might slow us down. 615-893-1450. Text your question to us. We're going to try to wrap up and get as many questions in as we can. Here's a question about uh, what infrastructure needs improving out of the county growing as quickly as it is, uh, bound to be a stress oh, on that. Yeah, well, the stress point is the growth that's coming in here. And obviously, when you have the kind of growth that we're having, which is <clears throat> we're the fastest growing county in the state, then it stresses our infrastructure, all our infrastructure, which is roads, schools, fire, EMS, um, the whole, the sheriff is being stretched. I mean, though everything is a, stre- is a stress point. And, you know, again, going back to my argument, I don't have I don't have a problem with the Tennessee General Assembly having a role to play when the state has an interest in how uh, the county's fund for growth. I just want to make sure that the methodology and the methods that the cities have are available to the counties or vice versa. And I think if we can get some I think if we can get the same um, um access that the cities have uh, we can do a better job of managing uh, these resources to make sure that when people come here they're getting the services they expect here's a question from a listener they're asking this time about public transportation and its relation to traffic you talk about infrastructure these folks are out there running the roads to death and creating bigger problems and making it dangerous for all of us who are traveling on the roadways. What can be done? Well, I guess I don't understand the question, Bart. I guess it does are they an I, advocate? I think, are they I, advocate for public transportation? I are they say it's are they in the, are they saying they're in the way? <laughs> well, they don't clearly say that, but I think judging from their question or their comment, uh, it looks like they're concerned with the traffic and wouldn't public transportation help? Yes, it would. But you can't mandate people take public transportation, and uh, this is a cultural issue. People like driving their own cars, and people don't like being told what to do. Um, people like the independence of being able to go when they want to go, where they want to go, without being told by the government how they're supposed to do that. You know what? I get that. I, I'm there with them. And so we have a balance here. How do we educate and encourage people to take public transportation without mandating it? Because I'm adamantly opposed to any kind of mandates like that. Yet at the same time, we need to be innovative in how we relieve the congestion that necessarily comes with being one of the most attractive places to live in the United States. And so those are those are real challenges, and those are challenges. Uh, I, as county mayor, and I know Shane McFarland, Mary Esther Reed, and, and Jason Cole, and Chad Leadham, we're all we are all committed to solving. Here's a question from a person who obviously lives in the Leanna area. They're saying we really miss our Leanna Community Center. The county tore it down. Uh, are they doing this in other areas? And this is one of those quality of life areas that is missing in Rutherford County, what can be done about it? You know, that's interesting She bring, this caller brings that up. I completely agree, especially in the rural areas. As, as Rutherford County continues to go 
excuse me, to grow. It's extremely important. Indeed, I would say imperative because I live between Las Casas and Milton. And there's a reason why I don't live in the city. It's because I want to live in the country. And if I wanted to move, live in the city, I'd move to the city. I'd move to Murfreesboro. I'd move to Smyrna. But I don't. And that's not to disparage anybody with, who likes living in the city. I think that's great. But I think there's a responsibility that our community leaders have to maintaining the type of lifestyle which so many of us have chosen. And so we have a responsibility to maintain that. A lot of that cultural lifestyle that I'm talking about is found in these community centers. It's, you know, at the, at the local fire hall where they do a ham breakfast or a fish fry or something like that. And I think it's very, very important that the county commission and the mayor's office understand the vital role that those things play in the culture, the healthy culture of our community which is why people want to move here so we have to be careful we got to maintain some of that absolutely have we lost more than just the liana center i don't know it, it with regard to the centers exactly i don't know uh that we have or have not but i can tell you this we're losing what those centers provide so if if, if that makes any sense and that is that community it's a place for that community to go and meet and congregate and fellowship are we losing that absolutely you know are we losing it because the community centers are going away that i don't know but i know that regardless we need to try to reestablish and maintain those sense those sense of communities that are out there in Christiana and Readable and Las Casas and Milton and and uh, all and, and and that kind of thing. We absolutely need to do that. We have about fifteen or twenty seconds left. Any final thoughts as we approach the new year? Just that Rutherford County has really, really phenomenal people working for you and that was demonstrated once again by the fact that how they responded during this cold crisis. They just did an outstanding job, phenomenal job. You're talking about Middle Tennessee Electric. I'm talking about Middle Tennessee Electric. I'm talking about my convenience centers uh, with Bishop Wagner coordinating that. We've got heavy trash days yesterday, today, and Friday. I'm talking about Chris Clark. I'm talking about um, Deputy uh, Chief, uh, Chief uh, Larry Farley. I'm talking about Brian Gazer. I'm talking about this whole team of Rutherford County people who are committed to making this the greatest place to live. And they absolutely do that day in and day out. Rutherford County Mayor Joe Carr, our guest this morning. Joe, thanks again. Thank you very much. God bless and stand firm.